0: educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm, live from Footscray High School, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Welcome everyone, live from Footscray High School in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. My name is Kobe and, our, and my co-hosts today are Will, Ollie and Nick. Our special guest today is Fred. Thanks, Kirby. Hi, um, Fred.
1: Welcome to our show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um,
0: my first question for you
1: is tell us a bit about yourself. So I am 26 now. I'm a full-time soccer coach. I have my own business. I work in a soccer club. I work for an academy. And occasionally I do some support work with special needs kids. And also I get to do some work in the lived experience of Gambling harm space, which is really cool, um, a nice way to give back. So yeah, I really enjoyed my work. That's good.
0: My question is, how did you start? Get to how did you start gambling?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question because I probably the first time I gambled independently, I was probably fourteen. Would have been in year nine. Probably just a bit of pocket money, doing a multi, maybe five dollars. But when I think. When I reflect deeply on it, I think it started a lot earlier. When I was very young, I was really into arcade games. Like, uh, have you guys ever played the game Stacker? You know, we got to stack the blocks at the top. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. obsessed. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. absolutely obsessed with it. Um, I won it like six times, and that was after thousands and thousands of gold coins, after gold coins. Um, and you know, all those games are, you know, they're pretty rigged. Um, but I was just absolutely obsessed with with winning, and So I think that was a natural, a natural starter, and then kind of a segue into gambling. Um, So yeah, I started that probably when I was eight or nine, and then gambling when I was fourteen, and then full on gambling, you know, the first day that I turned eighteen.
0: How long did you gamble for?
1: So, if the first time I gambled was two thousand eleven, and the last day I stopped was January twenty seventeen five and a half years, but I'd say the problems gambling with where it really took over my whole life was when I finished school. So that would have been from like early twenty fifteen until early twenty seventeen. Well Jan third, twenty seventeen. So start of twenty seventeen. Um but twenty fifteen was the big year because that was a year that I had access to a massive inheritance and throughout that whole year I lost um my whole inheritance of $225,000. So I'd say I had one year of where it just consumed and took over my life. 2016, I was gambling, but less, you know, I was trying to recover. Um, and then, you know, I was gambling a little bit when I was in school, but I was in school, you know, so that occupied my time and yeah, I didn't have access yeah. to that inheritance. So, you know, I wasn't as obsessive and as much of a time expenditure as it was when I was, you know, 18 yeah. in 2015. Wow, all right. Mm. Uh, I have a question for
0: you as well. Uh, how did gambling affect your life overall? Like,
1: Oh, it took over. Yeah, it took over. Yeah, It, it, it strained the household relationships. And yeah, it was really tense. Like the household relationships was really tense. Um, so the familiar relationships were really strained. Because, you know, I was a compulsive gambler, but I was also a compulsive liar. So I was lying about what I was doing, you know, saying I was winning this, winning that. And after a while, it catches up with you. People aren't stupid. You know, they can sense that something's wrong, especially when you're sleeping all day and you're out all night. And yeah, it, it just, over time, that benefit of the doubt kind of changes to doubt of benefit, you know, because the more you lie, the, the more the trust goes down. Oh, yeah. So that affected the familiar relationships. I tried with the friend relationships, you know, I was 18 and, you know, obviously my friends were 18 as well and they were a little bit more susceptible to the lies, but over time they could starting to see through it and towards the end it was causing some problems, definitely. Um, But I'm lucky that I have amazing family and friends that after I started to stop and started to recover, they were there for me. And they couldn't really be there for me until I told them what was going on. And I couldn't tell them what was going on until I was honest with myself. Because like I told you guys earlier, I was, I was living this fallacy, this lie of gambler's logic, which was more or less what I told you is that I'd lost this money, but I'm, you know, that was my bad luck. Like It's going to turn. You know, I've lost this money, but you know, I'm a genius and I'm smarter than the system and I can turn this all around. And it just wasn't logic, rational to life. And that caused a lot and a lot and a lot of problems. And it wasn't until I could, I got some help and with that help, some self-awareness that I was able to start being honest with myself and then honest with my friends and family and start to repair those broken relationships. Wow. My God, that, that's pretty surreal. <laughs> that's yeah, it was, it was full on.
0: Wow, all right. Uh, um. What do you enjoy about life after
1: your gambling addiction? That's another good question. You guys, you guys are on fire today. Um, <laughs> I think probably the number one feeling, the, the, num- the best thing about not gambling is you wake up without guilt in your guts, you know, because when you're, you're gambling, you are, it's like living on a cliff's edge, you know, or on, on a knife's edge. And, you know, you kind of go to bed, Thinking, like, when am I going to be exposed? You know, when are they going to come for me? When are they going to realize what's going on? And it wasn't necessarily like law enforcement, but it was just life. Like, when's it going to catch up to me? So now that I'm doing things that aren't dodgy, you know, that are somewhat honorable and giving back a little bit, I feel really good actually going to bed. Sometimes I feel tired and um, I still get, you know, worn down physically and mentally, but I feel much, much better about the direction of my life. And that is massive. That is the best thing about not gambling is I feel a lot better about my life.
0: What made you quit? Like what was the deciding factor?
1: The deciding factor, sorry, the deciding factor was hitting rock bottom. Mm. And for me hitting rock bottom was first running out of money. And then I was, when I ran out of money, I was stealing from my mom and like I told you guys earlier, my mom is like me, very open, wild, soft, free spirit. And she lacked, she struggled with putting boundaries and discipline because it really just wasn't in her nature. You know, she's just very wild and loving person. And because of that, I knew in the back of my mind, I could get away with it at least for a time. So I stole from her. The first two times I stole from her, she just gave me a slap on the wrist. The third time I stole from her, I saw something in her that I'd never seen, which was she confronted me and she said, if this happens again, I will call the police and I'll press charges from theft. That was my rock bottom. That was the moment I knew that I had to change. I had to stop being Fred as a gambler and start being something else because I knew deep down that it wasn't working for me. I knew that I wasn't happy being a gambler, being a liar, being a thief but it wasn't until i felt that self-preservation of if i keep going something bad's going to happen which is a really selfish thing guys you know it's so easy when you're gambling it's so easy to just run away you you go with the chips and you bet in the casino you bet quickly on your phone you bet online but it's easy to distance yourself from the feeling the loss because you can just keep going and going and going especially when you have you know money to do that It wasn't until I felt what I was doing on myself that I was actually going to do something about it. So even though that wasn't the last day I gambled, that was the day I decided to change my life. And part of that decision and the agreement that I made with my mum was to see a psychiatrist. And part of the psychiatric process, which was long, and it was a grind, guys. I'm not going to pretend it was all linear and up. It was really hard. And there was a lot of days I didn't want to go but I'm very grateful that I did and I'm very glad that I did because if I didn't, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you now with this kind of transparency. I don't think I could because what I got from psychiatry was self-awareness and the ability to self-manage. And just one point I want to make on that is even though self-awareness is very powerful and very important and it is incredibly important to me in what I do and in my recovery journey, It's not all good information that you get, you know, you're going there, you're learning some really hard truths about yourself and that's not easy and it takes a long time to kind of process that, come to terms with with those things, you know, accept that, you know, there are still a lot of things in my life that I struggle with. I'm far from perfect. So I just want to make that distinction that self-awareness does not mean self-perfection. It doesn't even mean good self-awareness. It just means aware of oneself. But over time, with that self-awareness and a mindset mindset shift and support, I got the tools to self-manage. And that's why I can be here now speaking to you with a little bit of clarity about what's going on in my life. Wow.
0: That is outstanding. Thank wow. Thank you for like the level of detail as well. Like oh, That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you're tuning if you're just tuning in you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM live from Footscray High School in Melbourne Australia. My name is Kobe and my co-hosts today are Will, Ollie and Nick and our special guest today is Fred. Okay, uh Fred I have a little question for you here. Uh how was it like recovering from gambling? Like what what like did you go through with that process?
1: Uh yeah, the the start was the hardest. The start was the hardest because like withdrawal is a real thing, you know, like I was, I consider myself a recovering compulsive gambler. So I was a compulsive gambler, just like, kind of like you guys are compulsive students. Like you come to school every day. I gambled every day. So the withdrawal was really hard and I had to replace that with something, you know, something different. So what I did at the start was because I was going through psychiatry and a change in my mindset, I was in the gym obsessively, but like for every single extreme. And that was good because it was better to be – if I'm going to be obsessive and extreme about something, it's better to do that about gym than with gambling. Um, But it was still really, really hard because I was still living that roller coaster and running away with my highs and my lows. And that was really, really hard. So that first six months was a real grind. And then it started just being kind of, okay, this is my everyday life now. Like I'm not a gambler anymore. And yeah it it's never easy but every day every year it gets easier Wow what are your plans for the future oh man of all the questions that's that's the hardest honestly I I don't know I don't know I've got this coaching business now and in in soccer and I absolutely love coaching and I work in a soccer club that I absolutely love. And I absolutely love working with like, especially very, very young kids, like four to seven, that's kind of my specialty. And I, I love it. So my kind of, my game plan at the moment is just to kind of see where that takes me. I'm, I'm open to, um, I'm open to being a therapist of some kind. I've tried, I dabbled with the idea of being a teacher, but to be honest, I'm just not interested in academics. I'm interested in behavior and I'm interested in people. So I think if, I to take a break somewhere down the road from soccer and coaching because for me that's just my form of teaching. I still consider myself a teacher. I'm just a teacher of soccer because I love sport and I'm much more interested in soccer than I am in academics. No offense to any teachers listening. Um, that's just me. So for now I want to see the highest level I can get to as a soccer coach and how much good I can do in the community and then I'll kind of readjust but I just want to Take it one day at a time, one year at a time.
0: Yeah. Would you gamble again? Is there anything that would make no. you?
1: No. 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 Because no. I, I just think I know better now. You know, it's like someone asked me that earlier. It's like, you know, was that triggering? You know, you got to be careful being in these environments. And, and it's true. Mm-hmm. But I just know not to do that. You're done? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, it, it's, I can say that now because I have the self-control. And I'm, I've done it I've been through it You know I've lived the experience Of knowing Of what would Or could happen If I went back But I've had a few Triggering episodes That were really scary And really hard To live through And one of those Was COVID Yeah Because COVID Like I said I'm obsessed with sport And I grew up on AFL And that was one of The biggest things I gambled on And when we were Do uh, you remember When they had that Like 21 day frenzy At footy frenzy um, Where there was Footy every night And we were mm. in COVID So oh, we were yeah. locked down So I was always watching And my friends are putting group chats, uh, multis in the group chat. And that was really, really hard. That was really hard. Um, That was really triggering. So because there was nothing else to do, you know, I kind of lost that structure and routine and rhythm I had in my life during COVID. So COVID was a trigger. I've had a couple, one or two other little episodes. But I know when those come up, because I now have the self-awareness, I know, okay, this is what's happening. This is what I have to do about it. Otherwise, I know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? And it's not always that clear cut. And that's that easy but it is simple it's like i'm not gonna i have no intention to gamble ever again
0: what would you say to yourself back when you were about to start when you're about to get start gambling with your inheritance what would you have done to yourself
1: like what if you went back in time you're on fire kobe you got some mm-hmm. brilliant questions there um people ask me a lot if if there was like Anything that anyone could have said to you that would have changed anything. And to be honest, the answer is, if that's the question, the answer is no. I, I had to go through it. I'm someone that has to learn the hard way. You know, I have to learn through experience. Um, what would I say to myself? I would say... I would say nothing.
0: Really? Like, not even gam? Don't gamble. No.
1: No? No. Because even though I lost... I look at it as an expensive lesson.
0: Hmm. Oh, okay. I see.
1: So, yeah, it was a big waste of time and money in terms of what other things I could do with that time and money. But would I be here now? Would I have that kind of self-awareness that I'm gaining through psychiatry or the skills to self-manage that help me in everything I do in life? Probably not. So for me, I look at it as an expensive lesson. Look, I, I don't live with regret. I try not to because <laughs> I can't do anything about it. You know, it's, it's yesterday. Like uh, it's gone. So the most I can do is be honest about it and learn from it. And that's what I'm trying to do. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not perfect by a long stretch, but yeah, that's kind of my thinking about it as an expensive lesson.
0: Wow. Mm. Um, so how did, Gambling affect like your home life, like family and friends-wise?
1: Mm. So the home part of things was complicated because when I was young, I mentioned to you guys earlier, when I was younger, I lost my, my father. And my father was actually a, a professional mathematician and a semi-professional gambler. And because he'd done well for himself in the, the maths space, And in the business side of things, it wasn't really looked down upon. So I kind of grew up looking up to that. And unfortunately, when I was 13, I, I lost my dad to bowel cancer. And that itself is a big loss. And that causes, that can cause a lot of fractures in the family. So there was already, you know, tension and problems from that. Even though, you know, we are a loving family. So that the gambling just amplified that, you know, that just made the fractures and the tensions worse and it made the distance and all of those things worse. And I was bringing on reflection, bringing a lot of stress and toxic negative energy in the house. So yeah, it affected it a lot. Like um, by the end, my brother and I weren't speaking. Um, my sister moved out, you know, for several factors, but that was one of them. Um, my mum and I, who I've spoken about, who have an amazing relationship and all, pretty much always have it was really really tested at that time because I was lying to her I was stealing from her I was doing unethical and immoral things in my life so she was like worried about me and also at the same time you know she has her own life and it's her own life is hard you know being a a single parent you know widowed parent that's not easy so to have that and then having to worry about me and then my other siblings that's a lot so it was just causing a lot of stress. A lot of stress on the household, and yeah, it was a very negative time in the house. Um, Kind of the second part of that question was friends, wasn't it? How did it affect friends? Yeah, friends was a little bit, a little bit different because I have amazing friends, and I'm quite naturally a loving guy. And in return, you know, I feel like when you give love, you kind of get love. Um, So my friends love me, but as the gambling went on and on and on and the lying went on and on and on. You know, they're not morons. They're figuring out something was wrong. And yeah, the trust was breaking down and the relationships were kind of on the precipice they of breaking down. Breaking away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like growing away. But that was kind of, luckily for me, that was kind of towards the end. And I try to say this more or less anytime I, I speak. If there's one regret I have, and probably there isn't, but if there's one regret I have, it's not going to my friends sooner. And
0: not asking them for advice. Yeah.
1: Not just telling them what's going on. Yeah. Like guys, I'm struggling here. Like I've lost all this money. I'm out of control. I need help, you know? And I think the reason I couldn't do that is because I wasn't honest with myself. Yeah. Like I told you, I was living Gamble's logic. I was not well mentally, yeah. you know, I, I was depressed and I was anxious and I put on a lot of weight. So all of those things, all those factors, and then you, you, you put Gamble's logic on top of it. Made it really hard to see th- clearly, to think clearly. And it wasn't until I got help from a professional in a psychiatrist that over a long period of time and a lot of work, I could start to work through those problems one at a time, slowly, slowly, slowly. Because you thought you could you know, cheat the system and, win, and win. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. I thought I could cheat the system. I thought I was smarter than the system. I thought I'm a winner. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a loser. Like, I, I, I was I a was shame, man. I was ashamed because I wanted everyone to see me as a hero. You know, I, have, I had a bit of a hero complex, yeah. you know, so much bravado. And that was really hard thing to accept, you know, like you're right on the money. I, I, It was hard to admit to myself that I hadn't won, I hadn't succeeded in this space. But what I realized is it's almost impossible to su- succeed in that space because even... If you win, I really believe this. Even if you win in gambling, you lose. It's not worth it. The toll it takes on you emotionally, mentally, physically, it's such an unstable roller coaster that even if you're in that 0.0001% that can somehow make a living from it, it is just such a stressful existence. I really don't recommend it. Yeah, because so you looked at your
0: father. And then he looked at your father because he'd win most yeah, exactly. of the and then he thought he could win.
1: But Yeah. And, and I was a kid, I just knew what I heard and, you know, he was well respected and I knew that he was smart and he was a lot more disciplined than I was. And he was a lot more mathematical than I was. You know, I had a, a little bit of his math brain, but not the whole of it. And yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I, I was looking at him and thinking, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And then losing him, it was yeah. kind of a connection to him. So there were so many factors, so many factors like that. And, like I said, without that kind of self awareness, that was really hard, guys. It wasn't just easy to process all of that. Until I got that, I really couldn't do anything about it. Yeah.
0: That's all we have um, time for today. Thank you to our guest, Fred. It's been a great pleasure talking to you today. Live from Footscray High School in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to our Gambling Harm co- podcast on Live FM. My name is Kobe and my co-hosts today are Will, Ollie and Nick. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. Educating our community about the impacts of gambling harm, live from Footscray High School, Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live with Yes,